0: I've, told, I've used this example before. I was watching a video one time of a Christian trying to talk to a girl, and he said, well, why, would you, why wouldn't you want to keep the, keep the child? And I was appalled at the answer, but I shouldn't have been. She said, because kids are gross. And I thought that, and I'm just telling you, that's the world we live in. We're being taught that children are not the blessing that they really are in our lives. And young people are being fed this lie that you can't live your life, especially women. Can I be honest with the women in here? Women are being told that if you rear children, then you're not living your best life. And they make it out like you're not strong because you are raising your kids. But there's this, I I can't remember her name, but she pretty much sticks up for Christian women's rights and, and puts a new spin on it, and she says, There's absolutely everything strong about a woman who decides to raise her children. But the world today is teaching, no, that's not. That's actually robbery. And the way they've done that is by diminishing what a blessing a child is. We can go to verse 4 if you want to. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so our children are the ones you use. Go ahead to 5. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. The next one, Blade, is going to be Proverbs 29, 17. Children are a blessing. You know, in the Old Testament, to not have kids was considered a curse. You read all throughout the Old Testament... Rachel, she was upset. She got jealous because she couldn't have a, have a child. And then when she had one child, one wasn't enough. When she had three, that wasn't enough. She prayed for one more. That's how much they value children. Because number one, a nation can't succeed without children coming up. I'm going to be really blunt this morning. One of the number one things being attacked in America today, is the family unit. It is under attack heavily. And it's under attack from many ways. And so now, so that they can justify their self, they're trying to tell you that men can all of a sudden get pregnant. I'm not, uh, look, I, I know whenever we start talking about this, people, I know some people start getting mad and they're like, oh, here we go. But we're not going to not sit up here and tell you the truth. I appreciate that. Because here's the reality. There has never been, there has never been a miscarriage between same-sex couples. That's a fact. And there and this and what I need you guys to see here is the world what they do is when they can't convince you of something that's fact that man and woman are two different things then they just try to re repackage it by saying you can be a man and you can be a woman just by saying so. The family unit is under attack God ordained for children to be for families and he ordained for families to have a husband a mother and a father in the home they both need to be there it does not work with a with what they call a mother and a mother or a father and a fa- it doesn't work sure you might can point to some kid out there and say well he's got two men raising him he's got two they've got two women and they are turning out fine i guarantee you just keep watching it's the same thing whenever you see kids who were raised in a single parent home, whether by just the mother or the father. There's always some... I'm, I'm living proof of this. I'm not talking from an experience here. I'm living proof of this. I still see areas of my life that aren't right because I didn't have a dad current, a present in the home at all times. I still see areas of my life. God ordained man and woman to work together to raise the family. It is not just the woman's job. It is not just the man's job. It is a dual effort on both parts. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. Proverbs 29-17, if you got that. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give you delight to your soul. Parenting is also a blessing. It's a blessing that we are able to raise children. It's a blessing. They will give you rest. It's not an inconvenience. So today I want to give you three things that is our duty as parents to do. Three things that is our duty as parents that we must do with children. I can't reiterate anymore how bad Our family unit is under attack right now. It is so bad. It is so terrible. And the bad thing about it, the children are the ones paying the price right now. The children are the ones paying the price, and it shouldn't be this way. You know, when you look in the Old Testament, every time Israel goes to a false god, you know, one of the first places it attacks And just so you know, those gods in the Old Testament, they weren't an actual god, but they did have a demonic spirit behind them. Because if you can worship a false god like they did in the Old Testament, that it gets you to put your children on an altar alive, that's demonic. Just as much as going and aborting your baby. Now granted, let me say this as a disclaimer, if you've ever had an abortion in here, there is forgiveness and there is grace for that. I'm not in here to tell anybody that they are far from grace. I'm not here to tell anybody who has ever had one that Christ can't forgive you just like He's forgiven me of a lot of my heinous sins. But we in the church have got to, and I say this from a sincere heart, and I, and I hope it comes off right, but we have got to quit peddling around, tiptoeing around things that are fact and that are true, and that God has ordained, just so that we can keep somebody in the church. I want people in this church. I want this community in this church. I would love to see people saved, but I do not want to see a soul falsely saved, because we, we neglected to tell them the truth. One of my favorite scenes in a movie is from the movie Friday Night Lights. And at halftime, the coach is talking to him, and he says, I want you to tell the truth. And he tells his team this. He says, and this is that truth that there wasn't one other thing you could have done. There wasn't one more thing you could have done to help your team win this game today. So that at least if you die, if you lose this game, at least you told the truth. And that's how I want our church to be. I want us to be so passionate about seeing genuine salvation that we don't tiptoe around the truth. Now, granted, there is a way to present the truth, okay? We don't walk around with a hammer With a hammer meets nail mentality, okay? But if somebody asks you a question and you don't deliver them the truth, you're at fault there. The family unit is under attack and far be it from us in this church that we see it go under without a fight. Our children need this. Children need fathers. They need strong men in the home. And they need strong mothers in the home as well. They need men who know how to love hard, and they need women that know how to love hard. 1 Timothy is where we're going to go next. Blade, the one you had, 5, 5-8. Five number one, the number one role, one of them for the family unit and for mothers and fathers is to provide for their family. The Bible is very serious on this. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting in verse 5, it says... Now, now I'm, I'm going to kind of explain here what's going on. Now, she who is really a widow and left alone, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. All right, so right now Timothy is tackling the topic of widows in the church, how we should deal with widows. And he's talking about young widows and old widows. And right after this, in verse 6, it says, But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives, and these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is a serious charge that God is laying down that he's saying through Paul, he's saying that if you don't provide for your own, you're worse off than an unbeliever. Who would not provide for their own children? God does. God provides us with everything we need. So why would he expect us to do any less for our own? And he says, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. If we, as mothers and fathers, live to gratify ourselves more than our children, we're worse off than an unbeliever. Because here's the thing, an unbeliever lives for themselves. Sorry, you're going to see me spit. (laughs) It's part of it. They're worse off than an unbeliever because an unbeliever is is in their natural state. But for somebody who knows the truth and still willingly goes against the truth and says, I'm still not going to provide for my family. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to spend the money that God has given me for my children on clothes and vehicles and other things, you're worse off than an unbeliever because you're denying the truth altogether against your knowledge of it. Do you see what's happening in the world today? This is constant in the world we live in today where people are living just like this. They have children, and you're seeing children. Look, when I worked for the power company and I had to go collect bills from people, I cannot tell you how many times I walked up on a home that had beer cans and trash bags that could reach the stern ceiling and little kids on the inside, and they're begging you not to cut their lights off. That's an issue. There were several times I would have to leave, and I'd say, look, we're going to let you go for now, but i got to come back, and I need you to have the money. It's my job. I'm sorry. You open the door, they'll open the door to their house like they want you to see the inside of their house so you know what they're living in. But then, like I said, when you look outside, all you see is what they've been spending their money on. Their neighborhood friends coming over and having a drink with them while the kids are over there suffering. That if anyone doesn't provide for their own, they're worse off than an unbeliever. This is serious. I'm, I Look, I'm, I'm just like anybody. How many of you, when you pick up the phone, one of the, one of the main things we look at is what? What we want to buy, typically. we look at Amazon. Uh, look at Facebook, obviously. But for the most part, people in my generation, when we're on the phone, we're t- kind of looking at stuff we want to buy sometime, most of the time. Whether it's clothes, whether it's things for hunting, whether it's things for, for working out, fishing, all of our hobbies, football, whatever. But the Lord's been convicting me hard whenever I do that, that, Tyler, there's nothing more important than putting food on your kid's table. You don't really need another shirt in your closet. You don't really need. Now, granted, there are some things we need, okay? There are. But sometimes we justify wants for needs, and that's all they are is wants. Our number one goal, our number one duty as parents is to provide For our own household. And that even means don't quit worrying about what's going on next door. Quit worrying about how somebody else is raising their kids. I'm at fault for this a lot of times too. I'll see what somebody lets their kids do, and I think, well, God, can I not do that too? It's not about that. I'm responsible for my own family. And at the end of the day, when I stand before God, I've got to answer for what me as the priest of my home did for my family. And the man next door can't speak for me. And say, well, I did it with my kids. You should let him go. No, sir. Because God has already told me what I needed to do. The, our, the simple principle here is that our first concern in anything should be for our children. Now, before I go any further, I want you to know here that as I give this message... I want you to know that if you're in here and you're saying, well, my Lord, Tyler, you know, my kids are already this old, and this, uh, you know, I feel like I've lost a lot of time. It's never too late. It's never too late. I didn't get saved till I was about 15 years old from a single mom who kept putting her hand on the plow, who would walk in. Y'all have heard me talk about it, walk in. It didn't matter if me and my brother had gone out drinking the night before. We was getting our tail up, and we were going to church. I've been in church drunk before. I've been in church after a long night with a hangover before. But it's because my mom drugged me there and said, I don't care, I don't care what. And then then she got to a point, here's the thing, don't let it sound like she excused it all. It got to a point then where she was going in the cabinets, if she found her beer, she was pouring it all out. Right there in front of our face. She wasn't ashamed at five in the morning to go kick the door in on our room and let us know what we had been doing and how we were wrong to do it. But in this world today, we're all about personal space and, You know, one of the the things that I can't stand to hear, understand me here, is that you can't shelter your children. I agree. You can't just sit there and walk around with blinders on your kids. But there is a vast difference between you teaching your kids what's in the world and then letting the world teach your kids what's out there. That's two different things. For too long in the American church and in the American homes, we've excused that by saying, we'll just let our child go out and explore and find out for themselves. No, you should be teaching them in the home. So that when they get out, they say, I see that. They taught me that. They weren't lying. But too many times we say, well, they gotta learn, so we're gonna let them go out with their buddies, and we know they're gonna probably get drunk and get high, and then we'll talk to them when they get home. That is a terrible, terrible way to, to raise children. I I would I'm I'm willing to put everything I own on this that. The percentage of kids that came out on the good on that are vastly one sided, that it was they went to the bad. You know why I know that? Because how many kids do you see in church nowadays? How many youth do you see in church nowadays? Really and truthfully, our generation, my generation, is kind of the last one still in the church right now. But the ones coming up, you're not seeing it a lot. We should be teaching our children in our home what they will see, what to expect. And yes, I do mean we should be monitoring our TVs. We should not be letting them watch shows that try to redefine marriages between man and man, woman and woman, or that you can get don't have to ha- use your responsibilities, that you can go out and do all these things, whether it's going to parties and whatnot. We should be teaching our children in the home. When we see something on the television that that is unbiblical and not of God, we stop it and we teach our daughter right then. We tell her, look, I know what you just saw, but this is not right. This is what it is. And you know, one of the main reasons why our daughter accepts it is because she sees her mom and her daddy doing it in the home. I'm not perfect. I'm not using me as a braggadocio. I'm just saying it makes a difference. So number one, we are to provide for our family. We're going to go to 22.6, Proverbs 22.6. Number two is we need to train our children. We are responsible for training our children. Let me give me the thumbs up when you got it, Blake. Proverbs twenty-two six. We all know the scripture: Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is not train up a child in the way he would go, or we hope he goes this way, so let's go and find out. It says train up a child in the way that he should go. Put him on the path and the direction that they need to be going down to have a successful life with Christ. And if you know the book of Proverbs, it starts out out the gate. This is a man talking to his son, giving his son wise advice. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And how are we going to know the way that they should go? Through the reading of our word. Blind men cannot lead the blind. Luke 6. Here we go. Luke, the sixth chapter. As a matter of fact, if you got that one, go ahead and throw it up and I'll use your screen. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they both? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. You know what that's saying there? That your children become what you train them to be. If you want them to be aggressive, be aggressive in the home. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm trying. We were just talking about how it doesn't work with people, and last week it did great. If you want your children to be peaceful and loving, be peaceful and loving in the home. If you want them to know the Word of God, teach them the Word of God in the home. What it's saying is children will become what they are taught. Here's another big thing. A lot of our teaching will be done by our actions and not just our words. I I hate to admit that there have been times where my daughter has seen maybe the way I've reacted in an argument between me and my wife, and she's come in and said, Y'all okay? And I have to realize, one night, me and my wife, we were okay talking about certain things in front of my my daughter. We were having a heated discussion, and we had to stop and realize, like, we can't do this in front of her. Because in her mind, she's taking it as something's wrong with Mama and Daddy. In her mind, she's saying, Oh, there's a fault in, in my foundations here. I look to these people as pillars, and they guide me. Because my daughter, before she does anything, she we took her to the dentist last week or two weeks ago. And she kept looking at us. She goes, they're not, they're not pulling my teeth right. She was scared. Because somebody had joked with her and said, they're going to pull all your teeth. You know, joking. I wasn't mad about it. I was fine about it. It was funny. It was cute. But she got scared, though, and she kept asking, they're not going to pull my teeth right. And, and she took our word for it. And I looked at my wife and I said, one thing we must always do is we must make sure that we never joke with her to the point to where it ruins our trust with us because she just took our word on that. Do not lie to your children even to make them feel better. Don't just lie to them to make them feel better and think that, okay, because you're going to lose their trust. If I would have told her, they're not going to pull your teeth and all of a sudden they go to snatching them out, guess what, she don't trust me no more. Kids are not dumb. How many of you have ever been swimming in a pool and somebody held you under water and then from then on you never trusted them in the pool again in your life? I've been there. I, I, I would not trust a lot of my older guy cousins anymore in the pool because one time they let me fall and I quit trusting them from then on. Children are the same way. Parenting is the most powerful influence on our children. Too many times in the church, too many times in the family home, we've relied on the school and we've relied on the church to do the parenting for us. I'm here to tell you it is not the church's job to parent your children. We teach them and we give them everything we can in this one hour or two hours that we have on a Sunday and a Wednesday. But when you have them for the other how many hours? What you do in your home and what you establish is going to make all the difference. We have got to quit relying on everyone else to raise our children. I look, I get it. I'm gonna stand up for a minute. Look, I get it. Parenting is a full-time job, and it's tiring. It is. But my God, won't it be good? To, isn't it? Good? Just this morning, just this morning, Andrew Vaughn is baptizing Harper, his daughter, at the Baptist Church. That is the reward of full-time parenting. That's a big, big deal. There is no greater feeling than to know that you get to watch your children come to know the Lord and be baptized. And we've spoken with them. We know they vetted it to make sure it was genuine. And this morning he baptized Harper. I cannot imagine how monumental that is. Being a full-time parent will lead you to those moments. It's worth it. I know we come home tired. I know we come home wore out. But those little minds, those little hearts are relying on us. They are relying on us. Parenting is the most powerful influence, and it's because simply that's the way God designed it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. I'm sorry, you got you already. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It's full time. This was God after he handed them a bunch of the laws and the commandments, and he was telling them that you need to teach your children this at all points of the day. Don't talk about me only on Sundays and Wednesdays. You need to be talking about me at the dinner table. You need to be talking about me at the bedside. You need to be talking about me when they make mistakes. You need to be talking about me when they do right. I need to be an ever-present part of your life and your children's life because I am ever-present all throughout life. We have limited God to Sunday and Wednesdays only, and then our kids don't hear about Him for the rest of the week. But let me tell you something, church. Our God does not sleep nor slumber. He is alive. He is living. He exists eternally. Throughout the entire week, at all points of the day, He is alive, He is active, He is living, and He is moving. Why should we not talk about Him like that to our children? We should be teaching our children at all points of the day. At all points of the day. Because we want our children to know that God is real. He's not just somebody reserved for Sunday and Wednesday. This is my last point. Some of y'all are like, oh my God, we're getting out of here good. But I just feel like when we talk about these things, you know, we don't have to beat them too hard. These things are kind of self-explanatory once you start reading the Word. Now this one, I want us to, look guys, I want us to pay, you can go ahead and get Psalms fifty-one-five ready. This one, is, this is very important. Because I'm going to talk about two things. And they must be handled with perfect wisdom, okay? It is a parent's job to discipline and encourage our children. The reason why I say it like that is because we have parents that all they want to do is encourage. Mm -hmm. All all they do is encourage their kids. And their kids grow up. and, and, And if I'm being honest with you, their kids can be a hassle to be around. I've had friends like that. That growing up, their their parents never disciplined them. And they were a hassle to be around. They lived unhinged. They did things and got away with it that I never could with my parents. But then you have parents who all they do is discipline. They strike with a hammer every time their child does something wrong. And their child walks around dejected and depressed all the time. You must handle this with wisdom. You don't neglect discipline, but you have to know how and when to go about it. And when your kids, we always say this. This is one of the things we say. My, my wife and I have this motto: is when they're doing wrong, we're going to let them know. But when they're doing right, we're going to let them know just as much as we would if they when they do wrong. When they're doing wrong, we're going to love them and discipline them. When they're doing right, we're going to love them. We're going to encourage them. We must encourage our children as much as we discipline them. And we must discipline them because Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. We are all born sinners. We all have a sin nature. You don't have to teach a kid to do bad. They do that by nature. This, This flies in the face of people just saying, you're your own good. No, you're not. Let me tell you something. My daughter has been bitten three times at school this year. Kids ain't their own good. My daughter has done things this year that I've had to get after her tail. She ain't her own good, I promise you. This flies, this right here, and, 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 and just if you want proof of this, just watch kids with no parenting that grow up into adults with no parenting. Watch them. Watch them. You'll find that we ain't our own good. As much as the world tries to push it, you're your own good. You find your own good. No, sir. We're our own evil. So we have to be taught right. Proverbs 22, 15. I keep forgetting to lead you ahead. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Now, I know whenever we start talking about whooping our kids in the South, there's this image that comes with it that people think that we're just talking about beating your kid within an inch of their life. I'm not saying that. I'm not condoning beating, okay? I am condoning, though, putting something on their rear end because the Bible condones it. And that is one act that has been proven through time that it is effective. And here's the thing. I have found over and over, that kids who are disciplined love their parents more than those who are not. Because kids want discipline. Kids want structure. Kids want consistency. It's a fact. Si- if, you, if you say, and science is not a red word because science is the way things work and we believe that things work the way they do because God ordained it to. But science will prove to you that kids need consistency. Kids need correction. And it's not just a free game for us to swing for the fences on them. We're saving their soul from hell when we do that. We're teaching kids this is not a good path. I'll never forget one of my my little cousins. uh, He came from a a home in our family that the dad was in prison. The mother wasn't raising him. And uh, one day we were outside playing. And me and him were joking around. We had like some little fake rubber daggers or something, and we were, like, playing, I guess, like a little fighting game. And uh, he played a joke one time, and I, I'll never forget my cousin, and this is not this is not to be taken funny. My cousin made the statement, he said, he'll end up in prison just like his dad, turned around and walked off. And I thought, well, yeah, with that, he will, 100%. If nobody takes up the time with him to teach him and to teach him right from wrong and put someone's rear end and makes comments like that, yes, he's going to end up in prison. What I'm saying is we've got to learn to discipline and encourage too. We're all born sinners, therefore we must be trained and disciplined to know right from wrong. Proverbs 19, 18, and then we're going to do the 23. Chasten your son while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. Chasing your son while there is hope. Parents, if we have, if you have little ones in here that are still under your roof, you better start disciplining them now. Because there does come a time where you can't. There does come a time where they get old enough and you can't do anything with them anymore. And they're going to be on their own and they're going to be doing things and they're going to be out in the world by themselves and you can't do a darn thing about it. Chasing them while there is hope. Because when you let them go, the world's going to be right there to welcome them in. And this is not just about just putting a paddle on the rear end. It's about sitting them down. Men, it's about sitting our families down and teaching the Word of God to our families. It's about gathering our families around and praying with them. And I understand we have some single probably fathers and mothers in here. You step in then. Gather your family around, pray with them, teach them the Word of God, correct them and discipline them while you can, while they're under your roof. Because when you cut them loose, the world's going to be waiting for them, and far be it from us that we should let them go untrained. You guys hear it all the time of people saying, my child's coming home from school and I don't know where she got all this foolishness from, and I can tell you where she got it from. She got it because nobody taught her the Bible in the home. They got it because you might have read John 3.16 to them, but you never broke it down. You might have read scriptures to them, but you never taught them how to defend the scriptures. More times than not, you probably didn't talk about them in your coming and you're going, you're sitting and you're lying. You probably just left it to Sundays and Wednesdays. And you thought because they were in Awanas or Busy Bees that they were getting all they needed. Do you all still love me this morning? <laughs> Proverbs 23, 23, 13. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod. I love this. He will not die. (laughs) This is good. I'll never forget the first time I read that. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. That's Solomon telling him, look, it ain't going to kill him. You might want to sometimes, but if you do it right, you ain't going to kill him. They may cry, it ain't going to kill him. I tell you, the hardest whooping I ever had to give to my daughter, and I'm giving these stories so y'all know I'm here with you. Hardest one I ever had to give to my daughter is one time when uh, she did wrong in school, and her mom said, "When you get home, your dad's gonna whoop you." And I, I spent the next 30 minutes waiting on to get home, preparing myself. <laughs> that, that's hard. You, men who have daughters, you know how hard that is in here. You love them, and she walked in so sweet, excited to see me. <laughs> And I took her to the back bedroom, and I shut the door, and I cut off the baby monitor because I knew my wife was going to be up in there watching it in the living room. <laughs> I know when my wife's about to tear some tail up, too, because she'll do the same thing. I'll be sitting there, and I'll hear her get to the back bedroom, and I'm leaning back in the chair, and all of a sudden unplugging. Like, but she walks in, and I said, baby, go shut the door. Okay, Daddy. Walks over there and shuts the door, and I'm thinking, she does not realize... What's about to happen to her? <laughs> and she's looking me dead in my face, so simple and so sweet. But in that process, I had to let her know. And it's hard. It is. I'm not, I'm not glossing over this like it's easy. But I had to look at her and I had to say, sweetie, what you did today at school. Because what she did was she back-talked the teacher. And a teacher, kept, a teacher was saying, Autumn Marie, you have never done this. And she was ignoring her. And she was walking off from her, snatching away and smarting off. And even the teacher was amazed. And I told her, I said, sweetie, we, you can't do this. You respect, your, you respect your teachers and you respect your elders because they're looking out for you. I explained it to her. And then I told her, I said, now I'm going to have to whoop you, baby, because we can't allow this. And we did. We dropped her little pants and we whooped her, and that was heartbreaking. But then afterwards, I picked her up and I hugged her and I let her know. I said, sweetie, I love you, but you cannot do this. Mama and Daddy love you too much to let you walk around doing those things. We want you to be a good baby. We want you to be good and love and be respectful and be like Christ. And you weren't acting like Christ when you did that. And she hugged, told us she loved us, and she walked off. She was crying. And that was hard. I walked out, and my wife was standing there smiling. And I just went. <sighs> All them walks of the living room crying, and I'm over here feeling like I just went to war. It's not easy, but it's worth it, okay? It's worth it. Because you're not just whooping them for the sake of whooping them. You're whooping them to mold them into men and women for Christ. You're molding them to be productive citizens in society. Just the other night, I was uh, in the grocery store. And we were talking, and we were, and I noticed when I come in there, the kids that their parents—you can tell—they just don't want to be in there with them, because their kids are are slapping them and kicking them and taking stuff off the shelves. And I'm thinking, man, if you, if you just teach them, if you just teach them, it's not—they're not, not going to die because you whoop them. They're going to live. They're going to live because you teach them. I don't think I have the proverb up there, but there is a proverb that says that you will save their soul from Sheol. Because parents, discipline is love. We need to understand that. Discipline is love. And when you give your kids your word, you better keep it. Because they know when you won't, And they're going to use it against you every time. We, we, I tried that with Autumn and she started figuring out, Daddy ain't going to keep his word. And then I started having to say, you know what, if I tell you one time, that's it. They're not dumb. Discipline gives life. If you don't discipline your child, Proverbs says that you actually, that the man who won't discipline their children is showing that they hate their son and they have no regard for their future because you're putting them on a path of anarchy where they will submit to nobody. Not a boss. I've seen it. I've seen people like this. That they're raised up and they, no boss can tell them anything. No pastor can tell them anything. No teacher, no coach can tell them anything. Nobody can tell these kids anything because their parents have either never disciplined them and stuck up for them and never told them when they were wrong and then they go on and leave just anarchist lives. And some of you can picture people right now that you know in your own life that you've seen that with train children that can take discipline and correction it will be life to them but if we have no regard for you if you have no regard for your children just let them go I love y'all in this place thank you let's see Colossians 3 there we go I got it marked in my notes that's where the red ribbons at. <laughs> Colossians 3 18 through 21 Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Remember, this is that part I'm talking about. We're not being chauvinistic. Men, you are to be compassionate towards your wife as the weaker vessel. You are to care for them. You are to be a warrior for them. You are to be a fighter and a provider for them. If someone was to come into your home, you are the one that stands in the doorway to keep someone from getting to your wife and your children. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Here it is. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. See, there is a part where if you're too hard on the discipline though, you can lead your child to discouragement and depression. You too can probably figure kids in your life that you've seen who their parents are just too hard on them. There's a balance we must know when to encourage our kids and when to discipline them. And please, if they're doing right, let them know it. If they're doing right, be right there to pat them on the back and give them an attaboy. One thing I hate is when people say, no, they're doing what they're supposed to do. I hate that mentality. Because kids and you and I, how many? you know why I hate that mentality? Because how many adults go to a job and say, I don't like coming here because I'm not appreciated? I don't want to work for a boss that don't appreciate me. doesn't let me know I'm doing right. But then you'll go home and not appreciate your own darn children. Encourage your children. When they come in and they feel dejected and they're feeling less than, encourage them in the Lord. Tell them they're good enough to to be on. If they work hard enough, they can make the football team. They can make the cheerleading squad. If they do right, they can do this, and they can go and they can be something in this world. Don't let your children fall by this pattern of thinking because they live in small town USA that they can't go and be something in the world, okay? Encourage your children when they're doing wrong, discipline them. When they're doing right, you encourage them and you love them just as hard. Children need nurturing from the mother and the father. I know I'm being hard with the dads in here, but I'm being but seriously. Men, it's okay to gather your children up in your lap and love on them. It's okay to come home and get in the floor with your kids. Even if your whole life you've been a stone wall. And maybe that's because you've never felt loved in your, in your past life, so it makes you hard to, to love others. Let your children begin to break that off of you. They'll do it. I was like that. I was kind of hard. I was not very affectionate because of my past. It was hard for me, and my kids broke that off of me. And now I'm a helicopter parent. Everything they do, I'm hovering right over them. I I don't know how to let them play by themselves because I look at them and I'm going, they just look so lonely. My wife's like they're laughing. (laughs) They're having a good time. Yeah, but that's a fake laugh. That's that's not genuine. (laughs) That's my excuse to get down there with them. What I'm saying is let your kids break that hard shell off of you. I understand if you've not known how to be loved before. Let me tell you where you can find you. Because this is what bothers me. We have so many people looking for relationships. We have so many men and women looking for women and men to have relationships with. that That they're neglecting the love that's in their own home and their children. That their children are sitting there screaming for love. Screaming for attention. And wanting to come up and hug them. And hold them and love on their parents. They're neglecting the love they have right there for something false out there. I'm not saying you can't ever find love. That's not what I'm saying. But most people are just looking for a little one-night stand and neglecting the love that's in their own home. Look to your children. They will show you the love that you've been wanting. I promise you. I promise you from experience. They will show you the love you've always longed for. And lastly, the reason why we discipline our kids and we do this is because this is how Christ handles us. Proverbs three twelve. Did I give that to you, buddy? Okay, I'll just read it straight off. Y'all okay with me going through the book? <laughs> we need to be using the book, huh? All right. Proverbs the third chapter, verse twelve. In fact, I'm going to read 11 and 12. My, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest His correction. For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom He delights. Remember, correction and discipline is love. And when God disciplines us, it's never for our destruction. It's for our good. If you are in Him and He's disciplining you, it's for your good. Because it's, He's trying to get things out of your life so that you'll be more like Him. He's trying to get things out of your life that you may love and you may cherish and you may think it looks good. Kind of like a father does with their son or a mother with their daughter or whoever. And they're looking at him and the, and the son or daughter says, yeah, but I like this. And you're speaking from a place of higher knowledge, right? Because you've had experience and you know what's there. And you're telling them, no. I know you don't understand right now. <clears throat> but you will one day. And you're going to thank me for this. This is the way the Lord is with us. We want things and we want to hold on to things. And He's sitting there the whole time going, You don't want this. You don't need this. And if you could see, because my thoughts are higher, my ways are higher, you would see what this is going to do to you in the long run. You don't need this, it's not for your good. We do this because this is how Christ is with us. We do this because Christ was the ultimate example of a father. Because he came down for his children. Just like we should be pursuing our kids. But too many times, too many times we come in and we think, if I can just have some me time, if I can just do this, if I can just... Guys, once you have kids, it's not about your time. It'll come. Remember that proverb I read earlier? It'll be rest to your soul. It'll come. That time will come as they get older. And then you can rest peacefully knowing they're walking on the right path. And then you can have your time. When they're doing things in high school or when they leave and go to college, you'll have your time then. But for now, it's about them. It's about them. They didn't ask to be brought into this world. You brought them in. Let's do our job as parents. Let's not just come in and think that we need to just get them somewhere so we can have our time. Give your kids your time. It's not, and I'm going to say this and then I'm going to be done. The number one thing you can give your children that we have learned from this, from everything we've said today, is your time. Your time. It's not money. It's not things. It's your time. That's what matters. At the end of the day, when your dog's tired and they come in and they say, Will you play with me? Can I sit with you? Will you read this book to me? Even though you're tired, you say yes. You say yes. I'm telling you, it, pay, it will pay dividends. So number one, our job is to provide. As men and women, it's our job to provide for our children. Number two, it's our job to train them in the way they should go. And number three, it's our job to discipline and encourage. Please, on that last one, don't fail to discipline your children and encourage them. I'm telling you, I see it all the time. I see it in the world today where kids are being kicked out of daycares because their parents can't control them. And it's really because they won't control them. Please, don't fail to discipline and encourage your kids. With that being said, if you would, stand with me.